everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the LifeRaft Physical Security Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Value. And back on the show with me this week is Scott Walker, Principal Associate at Walker & Associates. He's also the host of the great security interview series, Protective Future, which you can find on YouTube. Scott, we had a great chat last week about the importance of understanding a company's culture when transitioning from law enforcement or the military to the private sector. Today, I want to explore a little bit more about building allies in a new organization. So from your experience, what are some of the challenges that you ran into when building relationships? Yeah, yeah. I like to refer them to as stakeholders and partners and trying to use accommodating language appropriately. Some of the, the stakeholders that you're going to identify early on are not going to want to talk to you or going to want to engage with you. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. I was walking around with a kind of a co-manager, I guess you'd say, somebody who was at the same level of leadership as I was. And she said, oh, you're just another cop. That was her kind of comment to me as we were walking around. She was giving me a tour of the campus. And I was like, you just met me. You don't know how I'm going to be or any of that. And and I, hopefully I proved her wrong. And, and we built a, a working relationship off of that. A lot of times, especially now with all the attacks on our law enforcement partners that just occur, like while they're sitting there eating dinner or they're sitting in their patrol car, they're getting attacked. I think the natural approach to the public is to keep them at arm's length. And be like, whoa, 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 you know, don't come any closer. I'm afraid for my life. Or I just don't know you. So just please don't get in my space. Right. I think it's natural to bring some of that with you. Right. Because it's kind of ingrained in your DNA when you're when you're in law enforcement. The joke is I've been married for a couple of decades and my wife knows very well now where we sit in restaurants. And the law enforcement officers that are listening to this are going, yep, yep, yep. Uh, they know where I'm going, but that is part of our DNA. You just can't turn that off. And I'm not suggesting that we should not bring all of those great tactics and techniques and mindsets with us, but I think we need to be sensitive to, I'm not in that law enforcement slash military role anymore. I'm not the most important person in the emergency maybe or at uh, the, the organization. So what does that mean? And I think a lot of people, they, they struggle with that. I did certainly like, oh my gosh, what? I don't have the authority. I don't have all this, you know, I don't have case law. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the backup of the legal team yet. I'm still building that relationship. You know, you've got to understand that you're going to go in there and sometimes it's just your wits. But for me, that was like just being deployed because in my military job, who was also a criminal investigator in the military, they would take us and maybe two, three, four of us and and put us into kind of austere environments and be like, hey, here's a bag full of money and a bunch of 5.11s and and some jeans. Go make nice with people and find stuff out about things and stuff and junk. And we were kind of thrown into these situations where you didn't have the authority. You were, you know, I'm a a Caucasian American and and I can't blend in, in South or Central America. As much as I try, I'm a redhead and that's not going to happen. That's so, not going to work. <laughs> no, and I don't speak Spanish very well. So, but you got to go in there and you got to achieve the mission. And, and I think that really helped me understanding how to be kind of that chameleon. And then to, I don't do this very well right now because I haven't taken a breath in the last five minutes, but <laughs> to get to the point is I learned that sometimes you have to shut your mouth and just listen to what other people have to say. And they'll tell you what they want from you. They'll explain that to you eventually. You'll get to it. And that's the thing I think that helped me the most is having kind of an international understanding and international law enforcement experience. 
that translated well to an international technology company. I made mistakes. If I can share one more story with you, sure. the, with this international piece coming up in the government, you know, who were kind of our enemies, if you will, and I use that term very loosely, but, you know, China and Russia were always kind of um, not on the allied side. And there was a lot of focused intelligence collection and, and law enforcement investigations against those entities. Then I land in a company that has not only do we have operations in those countries, but we have employees who are of that nationality. And so now I have to partner with them. I was talking on a phone call once with a legal team in China and we were talking about black market uh, stuff and, and how the um, our products were being used in the black market. And at the end of the call, I, I had the perfect faux pas where I said, I really appreciate the work that you're doing with us on this, because of course, we all know that, that China manufactures all the world's counterfeits. And the call went silent. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was so stupid because I've insulted them and I never want to do that. And I never come from a place of trying to insult people, but I was maybe out of law enforcement, out for law enforcement for a year or so. I knew right when I said it that I burned a bridge and I need to spend some time rebuilding it. So for me, that was something that I had to understand was we have people from all around the world. They're not bad people. They might be in countries that the United States doesn't necessarily agree with but you are part of the company now. You are not special agent so-and-so and so on. And so I'm not saying that we should divorce ourselves from that mentality. We should always be careful who we're talking with, right? But I do think that we have to be sensitive to our partners and our adversaries are constantly changing. And you got to be aware of that because if you don't, again, they don't want you in the company. If you can't sit down and talk with somebody who used to work for the Chinese government and now works for your company in a senior role and you can't have a conversation with them, you're not going to be successful. It will be a challenge. I'm not saying that you should give them your social security number, but I am saying that you've got to understand what the goals are of the company because the CEO does not care about that stuff at all. They, I don't care any CEO, bring them up, you know, unless they're a government contractor, they do not care about the the petty back and forth spy versus spy stuff that the gov our governments are involved in. They just don't. And so you've got to figure out how do I continue to be in this role and be comfortable with that. Um, and a lot of people maybe aren't, but they should be aware of it. So I think that's a good transition point in terms of I want to go into you, you, you found yourself into this role, perhaps, you know, making that transition from law enforcement military into middle management or in maybe the, the program director now. I'm, start, I'm starting on day one in this role. Scott, advise me, what would you tell me to start doing? What are the action steps or tips that you could give me if we were sitting down having a cup of coffee? What, what, what would you tell me to do? Absolutely. The first thing that you should be doing is looking for those people who will be your champions, who you can partner with. Stakeholders is a good term. They're going to be the ones that will give you the kind of the real advice about, hey, I'm new here. What kind of challenges do you face? And I don't do this very well, but I'm I'm trying. But you have two ears and one mouth, you know, use them appropriately. <laughs> you should be listening more than you're speaking. I'm a big proponent of people will tell you what's bothering them if you give them that opportunity. Certainly don't go into a new relationship or a new conversation with, yeah, I just got out of DEA and yeah, I used to kick doors and you want to hear about the coolest drug bust that I ever did? Like, don't do that at all because that tends to turn people off and you want to show them that you are part of this company today and you want to be here for the foreseeable future. 
and you want to be there to help them. That was always my, well, I tried to make that my approach. Hopefully I did um, with every company that I went into was I'm here to learn about you and not necessarily talk about myself because I want to learn about how I can help you do your job better. And when you talk to somebody, like I talked to a gentleman from procurement was one of my early experiences doing this. Like I would literally like find people who were senior leaders in the organization. I just sent them an email like, Hey, I'm new. Uh, you want to grab lunch? You want to grab coffee? And I was talking with this gentleman from procurement and I'm like, what is procurement? What do you even do? I had no idea. And lo and behold, he's got all this fraud stuff that happens that he is privy to that wasn't really going anywhere or being actioned on at all. And I was like, oh my gosh, let me help you with that. I'm a fraud investigator. I can help you understand these things. But I wouldn't have been in that opportunity or in that position to provide assistance if I was like, procurement, I don't know what they do, so I don't care. You got to be a little nerdy about like, I want to understand how business gets done. When I was at Facebook, I wanted to understand where does the information go? And how do we take action on content, for example? And so I was talking with all kinds of IT people and uh, content moderators and contract people and, and so on. I have a much greater understanding of the back end of Facebook than I think people can realize when they come to a company that your company does something. And if you're joining a company that is a big enough company to be publicly traded, they're probably doing it well. And you should really figure out what that is, what their process is. And if you can, where possible, mirror those things that are successful. What yeah. kind of questions would you ask during those meetings with? Yeah, I like to let them talk. Hey, tell me about you. You know, I always start off with tell me about you, how you got here. I'm also fascinated. I look at people's resumes or LinkedIn profiles like it's a roadmap. You know, like, how'd you get to where you are today? That's fascinating. You know, it's like a treasure map for me. And those are the kinds of questions that I'll ask. You know, how did you get here? And, you know, where did you educate yourself? What are you interested in? And not because I'm nosy, I legitimately find it fascinating. How do you make money, right? Like you got, you are getting paid at a very high level to do whatever it is you're doing and you must be good at it, <laughs> but I don't understand it. And so I kind of come at it from that point of view of like, you know, this almost childlike wonder of like, I know law enforcement stuff, the military stuff, and that's boring. I don't want to bore you with that. Tell me about what you do. And again, it could be, you know, the most boring thing in the world, accounting, procurement. I don't find any of that boring, by the way. I'm just using those as examples. Some people do. How other people might think about it. Yeah. Learning, development, IT, other security roles. I find all that so fascinating because, and what I love to hear is when somebody else loves it, uh, that just gives me jazz that you love it and you're like really into it. I love that because th then you're willing to give me more that I didn't know and help me understand it better. Because the way I look at it is if I can understand what you do better, I can help you do it better possibly by putting some parameters around you, making it safer for you to do business or to do whatever it is that you do. And I think too often we get into the no, yes, no business in security and I would much like, much rather have us be in the yes, but, or uh, let, uh, let me understand that better. That another question that I literally will bring up is, you know, help me understand this better. I also like to talk to people who've been at a place a long time, because if they've been there, they're a legacy employee, if you will. They have a perspective. Maybe it's a good perspective. Also, maybe it's a bad perspective. Maybe they've seen some things and they know where all the pitfalls are or the landmines are, or and they might be a little salty. Not that you're going to carry that with you and make that part of your experience, but 
those perspectives are really important. You've got to seek those out. You've got to talk with people. And if you can find a champion and a mentor that is not a security person in your organization that's willing to spend time with you, uh, do it. Take them up on it, especially if they offer it. Uh, you know, hey, you know, we should like have lunch every week or now everything's Zoom. You know, can we have a Zoom call for 15 minutes a week, every week? Take them up on it. Um, or offer that if you think that it will be a valuable experience. I think it's really important. How did you identify and kind of work with those champions and foster those relationships? For me, that looking at this, the corporate structure really helped. Now, I was uh, initially in two very mature companies that had, you know, like roadmaps of of uh, hierarchy and as, as much as these tech companies want to talk about, oh, we're flat, you know, our le- we don't have leadership. They all have leadership. You know, when you're a director, you need direct reports. And so, because you're justifying your half a million dollar a year salary, right? So they exist. You just have to find them and you have to figure out. I like looking at, uh, I was just doing this recently where you look at Outlook and Outlook sometimes has who, people that you know you report to or who reports to you. And I also look at what groups they are in in the company. So again, if it's a mature company, maybe they have a social group. Uh, you know, is it Facebook? We had a veterans group that I joined because I think social groups are another way to, to get to people who are different in your organization. I think far too often, it's easy for a security person just to go in there and be overwhelmed by security issues. But if you aren't spending time listening to what's the message that the company's trying to push out, whether that be to their customers or to their clients or whatever, if you aren't listening for that, you never will understand really the, the culture there. And so you have to be a bit of a detective in that organization and go in and dig deep and go, you know, a few layers deep. But I also like trying to find that person who's been there a long time, even if they're a contract resource. You know, we had contractors, the contract security partners that had been there for, gosh, five, six years when I landed in NVIDIA. They knew everybody. Nobody thought of them as a contractor. They all thought of them as what NVIDIA calls, NVIDIA calls their employees NVIDIANs. And so they thought they were just other NVIDians. And so they were also very helpful being like, yeah, this person is somebody you should really talk to. And if you put yourself out there, I don't know if it's the universe conspiring against you or what, but then you start making all these other connections or people go, hey, you know, you're so great to have coffee with me the other day or have a call with me. Uh, Do you mind talking to this person too? I know they have a similar problem, right? You start kind of building a Rolodex of people who maybe have problems, but they also maybe have information that you might need to be successful. Because again, if the only tool that you have is a hammer, you're only going to see problems as nails. And we are far too down the crisis road to only rely on a hammer as a tool. So we got to really open our aperture up and try to understand that we've got to have relationships in these companies that will put us in front of these problems so we can solve them sometimes. Well, I think too, you mentioned being overwhelmed with all the different security challenges you can run into at a new job. But if you're just coming in fresh and you're just looking at it's like, oh my God, look at all these different things, but you start talking to people Every organization, it's the 80-20 rule. There's really only probably 20% that are the big priorities to management or the big priorities, but you're not going to figure that out just coming in on the first day. No. No, Talking to other people, doing that kind of intelligence work. Or even worse, they have a whole different language that they speak. You know, we come out of military and law enforcement, we have our own language, you know, law enforcement, it's 10 codes and and penal codes and things like that. And the military has its own military acronym jargon, acronym soup. 
And you'll join a company and they'll be like, oh, we don't do the acronyms thing. We don't have our own language. We have a common language that we speak here. No, they all have their own language. You have to go learn it. Um, you got to know what a bring up means. You got to know what machine learning means, right? For me, that was my experience at NVIDIA. So I had to learn a whole new engineering language is, you know, it's a whole nother thing. And you have to be open to learning that. Yeah. One thing you mentioned before we hit record was the importance of mirroring your colleagues and you even kind of talked about things like clothing. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I used to dress in a blue polo shirt and tan pants everywhere I went because that's how we dressed at certain times in the military unit I was in. So that's like what was comfortable for me. I, I didn't have civilian clothes really. And my federal clothes were a suit or grubby jeans and a t-shirt because we were doing dope stuff. So I didn't really translate that into the corporate sector. And if, if people show up at a corporate job with a suit and tie, we automatically think you're the federal government. So don't do that. You know, you got to understand the corporate culture. And guess what? It's okay to ask. It's okay to say to somebody in human resources, hey, how does everybody dress there? I would just want to appropriately not stand out. Because when I went to Facebook, the way that I dressed at NVIDIA did not translate to Facebook, which is hoodies and shorts and flip-flops. And so you've got to understand that, not that you're trying to, you know, again, drink the Kool-Aid and be exactly like everybody else, but I think you'll find that if you reduce the barriers to entry, and this is an investigation, an interview, an interrogation tactic, you don't want to build artificial walls to communication. You want to reduce them. And so if you go in there with your sunglasses on and and you put a desk in between you and the person you're interviewing, are they going to feel comfortable to talk with you? And as security leaders, that's our job is to talk with people and make them feel comfortable and, and allow them to open up and tell us their story. That's part of identifying those stakeholders and and really making them your champions. I used to call it deputization. I'm going to deputize this person because I need as many eyes and ears out there as I can get. When somebody's doing something wrong or somebody's stealing something or somebody's hurting somebody, I want them to come to me. In fact, that kind of backfired on me once we had a, unfortunately, we had a, a tragic situation where an employee's spouse passed on in the parking lot. The first person to find them called me, called my cell phone. And I was like, well, why aren't you just calling 911? <laughs> like get help to that person. But it's because they felt comfortable enough with me that that they were like, I don't know what to do, but I know somebody who does. And nine times out of 10, that's what I see security leaders in an organization. You'll get stuff thrown at you all the time that it's just like, I can't really solve this. I don't know what to do, but you're like good at solving problems, security person. Can you just help me? And don't automatically say no to those things. You know, maybe sometimes it's inappropriate. I want to empower you to be able to say no. You should say no if, if it's like out of your league, but appreciate the fact that people will come to you and ask you those questions and they will look to you as you're kind of the expert. I'm looking for help because I think in law enforcement, we're really good at solving problems pretty immediately or at least mitigating them. You know, when we get, we go through a lot of uh, training for active shooter and things like that. In the active shooter, you go right for, you don't stop and help people. You go right for the problem. And so it's nice when the company looks to you and goes, we're kind of lost and we're worried. We don't know what to do. Make it better. That's a good feeling because you build that over time. That's not something that maybe you'll have from day one. Maybe you will. And good on you if you do. But depending on the company and their corporate culture and how they approach things, you need to really understand that and understand that sometimes they don't want your help and sometimes they do want your help. And they'll let you know. <laughs> you'll find out generally pretty quickly. I like that point you made about 
making people feel comfortable coming to you. I was chatting with uh, Mike Evans, who's the head of intelligence at Securitas, and yep. and he was explaining to me that the sign that you're doing your job well is you're, when you're getting that two o'clock call on WhatsApp saying, you know, hey, I just read about this article. What do you know about this? And that's the ultimate sign that you're succeeding in your role. All right, Scott, we're coming up. I've gone way over the time that I promised to steal from you today, but I've been really enjoying this chat. What is the one takeaway you want listeners to remember from our chat today? Be humble. Yeah, especially in law enforcement, we were given so much authority to go and do what we did, did and without a lot of supervision. And when you get into the private sector, you may not have all of that that you used to. But one thing, don't think that you're not valued. You still are valued. You're very important. Somebody thought highly enough of you to bring you into the company. Be humble enough to learn about their culture and what they do and how they do it so that you can be successful there. If you're out there to make other people successful, you'll be making yourself successful. So don't try to overthink it, but got to be humble. You've got to come in there with, a, you know, some great leaders have, have said, you know, hang your captain's bars at the door. That's something that a security leader in Silicon Valley t- told me once. And I just think that's so smart. You know, that's who you were, not who you are. And it's okay to take that step back and to learn from people who've been there. Maybe they're less senior than you. Maybe they're younger than you. So, you know, do what Elena Forrest says and hang your captain's bars at the door. I think that's pretty pretty good advice. And I'm just going to echo that. Now, that's that's great advice there, Scott. Can you tell listeners what kind of projects you're working on now and how they can get in touch if they want to reach yeah. Look, I want to keep this conversation going. It is so, so imperative that we all transition folks out of uh, government service into the private sector because I see much, much more people coming out of government work for all kinds of reasons into the private sector. And so if we don't have a successful transition, that just slows down the progress of our economy. So it's an imperative to, that's my kind of guiding principle. It's an imperative to help each other transition well and help people transition well. And my biggest project is that message. Please find me on LinkedIn. I can't remember my handle, but it's Scott with one T, Walker, like the Texas Ranger. And I am always involved in different projects. I'm hopefully speaking at GSX. I want to be at ISC West, knock on wood, that'll happen. But the place that I do tend to put my thoughts to these interviews and things like that is on my YouTube channel, which you can find if you, you just connect with me on LinkedIn. I think that's the best way to do it. All right, Scott, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Robert. That's all for this week. And if you're looking for more insights on building a successful threat intelligence program, be sure to check out our website at www.lifebrathinc.com. That's lifebrathinc.com. And be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. And I hope you tune in next time.